Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook. Today, joined by Justin Wells. We got another great edition of 10 Questions Answered here on On Texas Football. Make sure you head to Inside Texas for all the information, but we're going to talk about a lot of what we saw yesterday at day one of fall football practice, summer football practice, preseason training camp, whatever you want to call it. The Horns are back on the Frank Denius fields, and uh, Justin, you, me, Jerry, Eric, Bobby, Will Gallagher, our photographer, they were all there to see it, and uh, we got the the most complete coverage over there. But just right off the top, what was your biggest takeaway from what you saw yesterday? Well, it, it, it that's a tricky question because what I saw and what I felt, two different things. What I saw was an off a group of offensive linemen that, for the most part, are in tremendous shape. Uh, I wanted to see Andre Kojo slim down. He has. I wanted to see um, how Peyton Kirkland looked. I wanted to see how uh, Trevor Goosby looked. He looks fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, you know to, to an extent, you, you can make an argument Malik Ogbo might have lost maybe a little too much weight. He's really slimmed down. So my biggest takeaway was how trimmed and slimmed these offensive linemen were. In addition to what I felt, which was at 110 degrees, beating <laughs> down on me. And I was just thankful I wasn't wearing a helmet. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's why uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian even mentioned that they they went into the bubble uh, for a little bit of practice. And, <clears throat> yeah, you don't want to spend all your energy on day one, but you got to get used to it. <clears throat> Trying to think of what my biggest takeaway was, I spent a lot of time – checking out uh, the defensive backs and, and how those guys operated. Uh, one player, I'm not going to out him, but uh, going through drills, already saw some of the liquid he ingested make a repeat appearance. So it was hot. Uh, they were going after it pretty hard, um, and that was uh, on, on the defensive side, but I won't, uh, I won't give him away. Uh, my biggest takeaway, though, is just really how athletic, honestly, the cornerback room looks. Um, there's a couple great pictures, and we're going to have a photo gallery up uh, probably later today from Will Gallagher's photos. But there's one of Gavin Holmes, who was running second team at field corner behind uh, uh, Terrence Brooks. And he is out, yeah, like like you showed, stretching out for the football. And he just looks, you know, it, it's, it's a great action <laughs> shot from Will. Yeah. And I'll try to get that up on Inside Texas today. <laughs> Uh, but he was just a part of a group of cornerbacks that look really athletic. Look, I've said this before. Ryan Watts looks like a linebacker, and yes. he's playing boundary corner. Like, that is one of the more physically imposing guys in the skill position group. Uh, but Gavin Holmes looked good. Terrence Brooks obviously is ahead of him right now, at least in the uh, very brief glimpses that we get uh, at field corner. But Warren Roberson. Uh, he was someone I think we all may have thought could have been a safety or a nickel. Um, and Terry Joseph at this point, the nickels and corners are all working together under his watch. He was getting reps at field corner and he looked right at home. Uh, even Jelani McDonald, who may end up as a uh, linebacker down the road, they're starting him out at that nickel spot. He looked like, you know, he, he doesn't have the exact same twitch that some guys who have been DBs their whole life have, but, uh, he's got, you know, some athletic ability that's been really impressive. So my, that was my big takeaway, just seeing how athletic the corners were. Um, the the safeties, a little bit different athleticism. Jalen Catalan, good to see him out there. 
Um, yeah. I think obviously, and I think Bobby Burton noted this this morning, health. We didn't see any green jerseys, especially from Catalan, from A.D. Mitchell, from Jade Barron, from Jalen Gilbo. Those were guys that at least oh, in the portions we saw were able to go. So health and, uh, you know, this, the, the athleticism in different forms from different position groups. But you got to really focus on two position groups yesterday. Uh, part of the benefit of having so many different inside Texas people there for blanket coverage. You got to see the offensive line. You got to see Kyle Flood's group. Um, you you listened to him uh, talk on Tuesday. You saw him work on Wednesday. What was your big takeaway? What did you notice most uh, from Kyle Flood's position group? You know, the first thing you notice is how small he is compared to the group of guys around him. It's like Lou Holtz in a huddle. Like, he is little, little. And I understand compared to large humans. Um Yesterday was interesting because I think tandem blocking is a is a is a big deal for this group. And that's a lot of what we saw. We saw a lot of groupings. And I think the groups, in a sense, kind of tell you where the depth chart could be, you know, in, in some in some regards. But um, I love I, I love that, that that was the point of point of emphasis for at least two periods. And, and, and Flood would talk about each time you got to get lower. You got you to be that low man. You've got to be able to stay low. I know for a guy like DJ Campbell, you know, run blocking straight ahead, he is going to be one of the most aggressive, meanest guys in, in, in the litter, period. But now working on the tandem stuff, you're going to – I saw a lot from DJ Campbell I like to see. And, and, and I also learned a little bit more about him last night, talking to a couple of sources. He's engaged more with the offensive line this summer. As of last year, he was kind of kind of doing his own thing, hanging out with other players. Now he's kind of clicking with the O-line a little bit more. I thought DJ looked great. Big, strong, cast was off, no green jersey, aggressive. I love the tandem blocking. I think that's something that Flood wants to focus on. I loved kind of just sitting there learning things, watching them kind of pick up things. And so my biggest takeaway, you know, from, from observing that group um, – I just I love that they're already working on specific stuff. It, it wasn't just five guys lining up left to right, hut and run out. No, they, they were all working on specific stuff. And the tandem stuff to me was notable because how important that's going to be for these guys. And the fact that Kyle Flood needs to get eight. He needs to get eight. He wants eight offensive linemen he can trust. I think he's going to have that plus a couple more. Joe, the offensive line is really, really um, rounding into form. Yeah. One thing about that tandem blocking, and of course, you know, we're only there 20 minutes for that portion of practice to see it uh, with our own eyes, everything else we kind of gather from, from sources and, and hear it from their point of view, but that tandem blocking, what that means to me is that they're working on zone. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what zone blocking does. If you saw them, you know, pin it or they're pulling, that tells you a little bit like what their strategy may be. And they may of course have done that over the course of a, two-hour practice or two-ish hour practice. But the fact that the first thing that you get to see is working on tandem blocking with a two-man sled and two men going after it and working on those combo blocks that are critical to zone, inside zone specifically, that even says a little bit, you know, not just personnel-wise, but uh, strategy philosophy-wise about what they may be looking at this year. Moving on, you got to see the running backs. Uh, that's a competition on offense that you know they're trying to replace. Yes. Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, tough guys to replace. But what stood out to you watching those guys? I think you had mentioned in in some of your notes on Inside Texas that 
one of the big things was that a guy who may not be thought of as a typical running back did all right as a typical running back. Yeah, um, Keelan Robinson was at the was at the lead of, of all those drills. And I know Jonathan Brooks ran a little bit with the ones when they did some stuff earlier. But from from my portion, Keelan was was number one. And my good, my gosh, he's such a little jitterbug just with his feet. I loved Coach Choices, by the way, his assistant wearing boxing gloves. And when they go through with their feet, you've got this guy throwing hands like Mike Tyson. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was awesome. I love watching Coach Choice coach. I really do. He gets very, very energetic. He gets into it. I see why recruits want to come play with him. Keelan Robinson looked great. Jonathan Brooks looks big. He looks solid. He's a stocky kid. Um, Jaden Blue is another one that was a little bit bigger than I expected. Uh, <clears throat> of note, Cedric Baxter just looks different than the rest of these kids. He just does. Look, that's, that's 215, 220 pounds. Look, get low and go. That's your goal. That should be your goal line thing. And I think when they go big this year, I think at some point Cedric Baxter is going to be that guy. Now, going into camp before the summer, I kind of factored Savion Red as to being one of those guys. And it's for as well and as good as Keelan looked and, 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 and Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter. He looks fantastic as a freshman running back. I was disappointed in Savion Red. He, he he looked out of shape. He looked like he may have missed a summer workout or two. And I think when you're behind the walk-ons and the true freshmen, that's a sign from this from the coaching staff. You you need to get you need to tighten it up. You 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 need to get your house in order. And so overall. Good, good, good day. First with, with Coach Choice. Love watching that guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes the uh, the biggest revelations is just the order. Uh, and and think about this. Coaches know that we as media members are going to see that. They, they're they well aware that in that 20-minute viewing period, that's what most of us go there to check out. You can only get so many notes from drills, but you can get right. an idea of where people are. And um, I think you're spot on there. Um, moving on to number four, we can kind of make this one quick, but kind of mentioned this earlier as well. No green jerseys. Um, and I yeah. think that specifically the biggest player, maybe not biggest, most important player who didn't have a green jersey on was Jalen Catalan. How important was it to see him just out there going through practice? He did have one of those, you know, under the shoulder, uh, under the pad shoulder braces that you see a lot of different players wear. Nothing bulky, but just a regular brace. I think that I think the purpose of it is to prevent the shoulder from going too far that way at a certain point. Normal stuff that every football player probably wears once or twice in their career. Overall, how important was it to see Jalen Catalan back there uh, patrolling the back end at uh, when I saw him in pursuit drills? He was at field safety. You know, um, we, we inside Texas got to know Jalen Catalan really well during his recruitment. Uh, it came down to Arkansas and Texas. Obviously, he picked he picked Arkansas. Um, just seeing him again was really cool. Just seeing him out there is just really cool. I got to cover him a lot in high school, and he is such a headhunter. He is such a smart, calculating football player. Um, I think. I'm losing my voice, by the way. I think in some of these photos, you might see pads, but essentially what they are, it's almost like a shoulder harness. 
I like lacrosse pads. They're that size. And right. they wear that's them under their shoulder pads. Right. That's what you were talking about. And because I'd had a couple of people ask me about it. And, and for some guys nursing a shoulder injury, like a Cole Hudson, you know, guys like that, they're going to wear something kind of similar to that early on. But Catalan, Jalen Gilbo, like that's something we talked about last week. What we wanted to see, I think, I think my answer was who's going to be in a green jersey. There's no green jerseys, no lucky charms, nothing like that. It was all burnt orange. And so um, to me, I was giddy because Isaiah Nayor looks fantastic. Uh, like you said, Jalen Gilbo back out there battling. Hey, this, they're going to need all these horses, Joe. What about you? Yeah, I was glad to see Isaiah Nayor. I mean, even A.D. Mitchell, I think, was wearing a green jersey at certain portions of uh, spring football. Uh, yeah. So good to see him going. He was first team with the wide receivers ahead of Casey Kane. Um, it was, but yeah, Jalen Catalan, that's a player that you know can make a big difference if he's healthy. And we didn't get to see him make much of a difference in the spring because they decided to. They never said it was a shoulder procedure, but Steve right. Sarkeesian said, go in, clean right. things up. What other body part are, are you going to clean things up on with Jalen Catalan, considering his history of shoulder problems? Um, but it was good to see him out there and, you know, full go. Didn't seem like he was in any sort of limitation. Of course, it's only helmets and those right. cross level pads uh, that they're wearing right now. Um, so he, it's not full football shoulder pads. They wear them under the shoulder pads typically, but I think they can wear these kind of – it's like, you know, those honeycomb uh, pads that people used to have on their underarmor, like that type yeah. of thing. They're not bulky. They're very uh, surface level. I um, saw the offensive linemen. I saw the running backs. You were able to check out the defensive backs, notably the safeties. Kind of what was your takeaway? What what did you see? What, what was noteworthy? Watching the safeties, there are a lot of different body types back there. Uh, but I think one of the first things that I noticed was they do – they used to – Todd Orlando and Chris Ash ran pursuit drills all the time, and you can see the uh, uh, depth chart there. PK, Pete Kwiatkowski didn't do that in 2021 or 2022 during these open practice sessions. Doing it this year, and I saw Michael Taff at first strength be that first safety out on the field yeah. uh, with Jalen Catalan. That was that was one of the big things uh, I took away. Um, you know, that is a former walk-on, but he's also a former – uh, defensive uh, state championship MVP uh, at the 6A level, um, someone yes. who uh, went away from uh, scholarship opportunities either at Ivy's or some lower-level schools in order to be a walk-on at Texas and has earned a scholarship at Texas. Um, he is now, you know, at least at this portion of the uh, first few practices of, of the fall, man, I, I keep saying it, preseason camp, he's running with the ones a, a good chunk. And I don't know if that's something that's going to be permanent, but it's definitely something that means he's going to be a part of this defense uh, on a regular basis. The other thing, and maybe I might have this off, but I remember for the most part, safeties, at least the group that Blake Gideon oversaw, usually included the guys who played nickel. Um, maybe I have that off, but I, I now that that group is with – Terry Joseph. And I think that speaks to a little bit more of the responsibilities. Yeah. You still have to play the run stuff. You still have to play the run, but everybody has to play the run your job now in a, in a game that's become more passing predicated uh, is to cover those slot receivers and cover those tight ends. And I think that that kind of goes 
to show why they're with Terry Joseph because those pass uh, coverage skills that Terry Joseph has and, and teaches his corners are necessary at the nickel position. So, uh, but seeing that from from the safeties, seeing Michael Taff out there, um, seeing and of course, you know, there's so much different rotation that through those drills. Uh, the, you know, everybody kind of gets a, a little opportunity at the the right level that they're at. But seeing Taft take those first snaps, the ones, that was an interesting one. What about corners? You, you you talked all about defensive backs. You mentioned safeties. You mentioned nickels. The men on the island, talk to me. What did you see? Because I got to see a glimpse of Manny Muhammad and I'm gonna t- and, and, and that glance of Gavin Holmes. <laughs> These corners are going to be salty, man. Yeah, I, I I talked about the athleticism at that position, um, and that that holds true with with Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks still. Uh, but seeing those freshmen, they they look they looked at home. Uh, Malik Muhammad looked like he was someone who could be a contributor this year, and he's likely to be one. But Ro- Warren Roberson was the the one that really caught my eye, and I think there may be a this penchant that especially with the early signing period these days, anybody who comes after that can, can sometimes be forgotten about. And then especially if they are summer enrollees and, and not early enrollees, but Warren Roberson was a big time get uh, from the Dallas Fort Worth area from Red Oak, I believe. And, I and he's a player who uh, possessed a lot of fantastic athletic marks and, and traits, especially on the track and things like that. And it looks like it's carried over to the football field. But to move further up the depth chart a little bit, uh, Terrence Brooks looks like anything you could want from a field corner. Um, and he's still... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, a, a well-built player at six foot and 200 pounds right around there. So, and barely um, 19 the, the years corner, old. The corner position is going to be fun to watch. Steve Sarkeesian even touched on it, that that battle uh, is going to affect basically the whole secondary because they can try a lot of different combinations. And uh, he mentioned... He mentioned Brooks, he mentioned Roberson, he mentioned uh, uh, Gavin Holmes, mentioned Malik Muhammad. Uh, so there's a lot of different options that they're going to throw at that corner spot to see what you know what works. Yeah. All right, Justin, we are about almost 20 minutes in. And on Tuesday when Steve Sarkeesian was talking about you know preseason, all that stuff, we got 20 to 30 minutes in. Before we even mention quarterback, and here we are, you know, it's kind of a, a we know who the starter is, uh, barring anything ridiculously crazy happening. Right. Um, and then, I mean, ridiculously crazy in every sense of both words. 
That being said, how nice is it to go into camp with with knowns at quarterback, whether it's from your perspective covering a quarterback battle or from the Texas perspective of knowing who QB1 is at, at this juncture? Both sides of the spectrum. It, it, it's a joy. Not only because we don't have to deal with the is he, isn't he, Casey Hudson, da 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 da, da back and forth. Not only is it not that, but the team, you know they're going to go in a different direct, a better direction. If the quarterback is established, if it's been established, if he's been taking on a, a more leadership vocal role from winter workouts to spring to uh, summer stuff, listen, listen, it's a blessing, not just for us, but for Texas fans. But you know who's the most blessed are the coaches because you've got a guy now – Every. It, a football team isn't complete until they know who their quarterback is. I really feel that. And this that's why I think it's awesome that Quinn Ewers has asserted himself. I believe he started the practice um, yesterday. Sark kind of made a, made a thing about it where he started it. And, and, and I think that's what they want. They want that quarterback to – you're going to be the quarterback at Texas. You're going to take all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, and all the in-between. And at the end of the day, knowing who your guy is – it's one less thing to worry about because you've got all the other positions, but my goodness, that's the position you don't have to worry about. Yeah. Quarterback battles, they're, man, they're contentious. I mean, that, that's just what it is. And luckily for the past, you know, I've been doing this since 2016, every competition that we've watched, everybody seems to be on good terms. There's no feuds really. Um, and that can't always be said across college football. We've been lucky to know that, you know, whether it was, Shane Bouchelle and Tyrone Swoops, they got along. Shane and Sam Ellinger, they got along. So on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, Quinn or Casey and, 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 and Hudson got along. Quinn and Hudson got along. And apparently, oh, yeah. uh, according to Steve Sarkeesian, Malik, Quinn, and Arch all get along. So we've been real lucky to cover it from that perspective. But it's nice to not have to go and ask these questions and not really get much re uh, revelation from – Steve Sarkeesian in any form, it's nice to just track Quinn Ewers versus Quinn Ewers instead of having to track Quinn Ewers versus go. this player, this player, this player. And it it is also, you still have that intrigue because Malik and Arch are uh, likely competing for that backup spot. And uh, that'll be one to track because, you know, they are going to get opportunities with the ones at some point during camp. Most of them are probably going to go to Quinn Ewers, but Steve Sarkeesian wants to see what's going to happen if he's got to throw his backup quarterback into the game. Uh, those those players are going to get opportunities with the ones, and it'll be very interesting to know. But, yeah, it's, it's also just calming to be able to think, okay, we know who the quarterback is. We don't have to attack this perspective or this perspective or anything like that. We just get to cover Quinn Ewers battling himself and, and bettering himself. And Texas fans not going crazy over quarterback battle. Yeah, 20 years later, people still talk about Sims versus Applewhite, and uh, that 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 says a lot. So, all right, moving back a little bit to different positions. Who are some players, and maybe maybe not a different position, depending on what you think, who's a player you saw kind of low on a depth chart that you think could, could surge over the course of these preseason camps? Good question. Um, Neto Umiozulu. The, uh, the 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 red shirt freshman offensive lineman he listen 
O-line is a strength of the, is one of the strengths of this team. How Kyle Flood finds those fits remains to be seen. How that first five comes out and then your second, third, you know, they want eight. Neto just looks so athletic and so in shape and so kind of that second year is always such an easier year transition wise for these for those guys. And I think Neto really took to it. I think he took the offseason to to he got enough playing time last year. He got enough of a taste to know he wants and pushes for more playing time. And so if one guy I could see jumping up a depth chart, I'm going to go with Neto. All right, you'll go guy with the trenches. I'll go with the skill guy, and then we'll switch it up a little bit later. Uh, okay. A player I think could surge, and I don't know if this fits the definition of the question that I'm asking myself, but Isaiah Nayor. Um, I think Steve Sarkeesian's talked plenty about how when he looks at his wide receivers, he likes having four or five kind of from an NFL perspective of you know, typical guys who have active on a, you know, week to week basis. Right. Um, you got 85 instead of 53 or even what is it? I, I know I can't remember the full NFL roster rules, uh, but you got 85 instead of 53. Still, he wants a top four or five. He's mostly going to have three on the field at one time. But I think Isaiah Nayor is going to be a player who is, even though he's second behind Xavier Worthy at that Z field side wide receiver, they're going to be able to shift things around uh, and maybe move a worthy to a certain spot or Whittington yeah. to a certain spot. Or yes. They'll do some sort of mixing and matching to where Isaiah Nayor is going to be a player who, like Serge Jabari Rice, not a starter in, in name, but a starter in snaps, almost a starter in snaps. I think they'll have a little bit different strategy, but I like Isaiah Nayor is not going to be someone who's snaps. not going to see a lot of snaps this year, I feel like. So, yeah. all right, I did skill. You did trench player. Now, same question, but I want to hear it for a skill player for you who's someone who you saw kind of down the depth chart from whatever position you saw who you think could uh, make a surge during camp. Oh, man. Man, I want to say Gavin Holmes. I want to say Gavin Holmes. I mean, listen, Ryan Watts isn't likely coming off the field. Not much. Terrence Brooks might have the most potential of all of them. So, it, it's a numbers thing at this point, but my goodness, Gavin Holmes looks good. Gavin Holmes looks like what an, an all ACC corner from Wake Forest might look like. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you another guy and I'm, I'm going out of the trenches a little bit. I, I'm throwing you a curve. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing one of those Johan Duran slinkers. That's like 101. That is impossible to, as hell to, to hit. Trill Carter is a wide body. Okay, Devondre Sweat is huge. He's born big. He's going to live big. He's going to die big. Trill Carter is thick. Like, I was talking to Will Gallagher, our trusty um, photographer yesterday, and, and we both said it at the same time. Puna Ford-like body. Now, he's not as athletic as Puna was. Don't forget, Puna toted the rock at Hilton Head, South Carolina. Puna was an athlete. Trill Carter Looks like the quintessential three tech. That looks like a guy that gets underneath the guard in the center and gives O-lines a bunch of crap. And so I wanted to mix it up a little bit because I had to make a mention. Trill Carter looks, if he's a backup, oh, buddy, this D-line is going to be better than expected. 
All right. I'm I'm trying to think of so I gotta go with a, a trench player at this point. If you I could, I, I, we talked about one in pre-production that I feel like might be the best looking football player on the team. Who you it was a long he's time backup, ago? He's, he's a trench man, he's the backup right tackle. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And we know that he could have a big role this year. Cam yeah. Williams. That's a player oh. that they they found they found reason to use him on special teams in every game last year, not use his red shirt. And I think when Kyle Flood, I, that'll be mine, Cam Williams. I think when Kyle Flood talked about on on a Tuesday about having eight that he trusts, you know, the five right. starters that started every game last year, probably plus DJ Campbell and probably plus Neto and probably plus Cam. Cam could have a very multifaceted role. He could step in at tackle, could step in at guard, could throw on the Andre Carrich role like last year. So that'll be mine. I like that pick. Uh, if I had to pick one more, and I know he's going to have a very unique role, kind of like Cam, I'd say Anthony Hill. You know, he was someone Ooh. who was playing okay. at Will Linebacker, and that's thought to be a battle between Maurice Blackwell and uh, David Benda, uh, who Sarkeesian complimented yesterday but anthony hill's gonna get his opportunities there but they also realize that he's so athletic that maybe putting him there full-time isn't the best way to start his career to make right, him into, they're gonna make use of his athleticism elsewhere but he's gonna be there at some point and i think he could be a player where they they just know he's so athletic and so skilled that if he can't process well let's put him at a place where he doesn't have to process but let's also teach him a little bit about how to process so all right, that was mine. I like that move. And it wouldn't be an on-Texas football in the month of August in 2023 if we didn't talk about Colin Simmons. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, first, if you haven't heard, Duncanville, uh, edge, uh, weak side linebacker. Yeah, I think, I, think I think I know who you're talking about. I weak think weak I side edge uh, for, yeah, for Duncanville edge. Panthers. Yeah. Well-known recruitments coming down to Texas and LSU. Miami is also one of the, the teams that made the top three edit. Uh, one week from today, Thursday, uh, August 10th, is when uh, Simmons will announce. Remains to be fully seen if that's at a Duncanville High event or if that's independent. But, Justin, any reason to change what Inside Texas has, has said about Colin Simmons uh, all the way since his official visit and even with his recent trip to Baton Rouge. I'm picking my words carefully. Um, Any reason to change what Inside Texas has said over the past few days, weeks, and months? Probably not. Look, there's a lot of angles to this. I can tell you this. It's going to be Texas or LSU. I can tell you that much. I can tell you this. He's going to be an impact guy at edge no matter where he goes. And I think he wants to be an impact guy. LSU is a school full of those. Texas doesn't. and I think At least at that position. At that position. And I think that gives Texas a little bit of an advantage. If this recruitment comes down to family, I think Texas wins. If it comes down to – if mama has that, has a, has a, a strong say, which Colin is very close to his mother. I, I, I tend to lean tilt towards Texas side on this, but you know, 
anytime he pops out a, a recruit, recruit pops out a date right after a visit, especially a school that they're very fond of, you got to take that consideration. The Caden Durham data point teammate at Duncanville's from Oklahoma. He's going to be announcing on the same day. There's an LSU lean there as well. There's a lot of angles to this, Joe. And the only thing I can tell fans is you have to check inside Texas every day because they literally change every single day. And I'm talking, you got to click about every 10 or 15 minutes. Listen, the more you click, the more likely we'll have an update. So if you continually click, I think it's just, it's a cycle of love. And so August 10th, we did seven days. We get a week to, to harp on this and to look at every facet of it. And uh, I'm trying to get mentally prepared. <laughs> there are a lot of different facets in this recruitment. Oh, it's going to be uh, every cycle has one of these super high profile ones. And uh, Texas is in it yet again. So, all right, we'll be back on the practice field. I'll be back on the practice field today, later this afternoon, may have some reaction on this channel from there, but make sure you go to inside Texas, $1, one month of access. It's the third. So if you sign up today, that $1 will get you all the access through and the day after the first game versus rice, you're going to love it. Uh, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, doing a lot of great things here. Uh, bringing it to you daily, multiple times daily, and it's uh, multiple it's on multiple. It's a, it's a pleasure to to do this uh, on for on Texas football for Bobby and with you, Justin. So for our producer Matthew Hutchinson, thank you so much for watching this episode, and we will see you next time on on Texas football. <laughs>